What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, November 4th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel, also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There's plenty of parking out back. Give them a call for more information, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent you. So the NFL trade deadline has come and gone, and as expected, at least I expected there to be not much movement. You know, if you listen to the NFL media types and you watch these NFL shows and you you follow some of these NFL insiders and, and reporters on Twitter, you get the sense that they really want something big to happen for their trade deadline. They want the NFL trade deadline so very badly to be like Major League Baseball's trade deadline. They want it to be like the NBA. They even want it to be like the NHL, and they just can't get that. Uh, So when I hear people locally here in New England maybe criticize the Patriots, I don't think there's many people doing that. But I have heard some. Like I was on WEEI last night, 93.7 FM here in Boston. I was on 10 to midnight. And there were some people on the text line and even calling in that, that might question what the Patriots didn't do. But here's... And I'll I'll get my, I'll give you my national perspective on what didn't happen at the trade deadline in just a minute, and I will preview week number nine in the NFL before I close out today's show. But but real quick, locally, a local perspective with the trade deadline in the NFL coming and going, just because the Patriots didn't do anything, I feel very uncomfortable saying that they didn't try. I I actually expect that they tried. Just because there were no trades doesn't mean that teams didn't try. And just because we're not hearing about teams trying, again, doesn't mean that teams didn't try. So the Patriots did not make a move, much like everybody else in the National Football League. But that doesn't mean the Patriots did not try to make a move. It doesn't mean the Patriots did not make an attempt to improve their football team moving forward here. Now as we enter Week 9 and the Redskins come to town to take on the Patriots at Gillette Stadium Sunday at 1, I actually would put my money on the fact that the Patriots did try to get get better, did try to make a move. But there's a couple things at play here. One, the Patriots are going to be without a couple draft picks here, right? And, uh, you know, I, I think also, two... The superstar players never really get moved. So anybody that wanted to see the Patriots go out and get a big name, I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I think if they were going to do anything, they add depth, uh, they try to improve their secondary, or maybe even add to the offensive line. But those things didn't happen. I just, I'm, I, I feel uncomfortable telling you that they didn't try. Because I actually would put my money on the fact that the Patriots probably did try. They just were not able to get anything done. There was one team that at least out in the open publicly we heard about trying to make a major move, and that was the Denver Broncos. And the Denver Broncos reportedly were trying to get Joe Thomas, left tackle, offensive lineman, Pro Bowl offensive lineman, from the Cleveland Browns to make this playoff run, this Super Bowl championship run, and by trying to get Joe Thomas and by offering 
a couple picks, which included, what, a first and a second round pick, by making that type of offer for an offensive lineman, you're telling me that you're going for it. Like the Broncos yesterday, these reports, it told me that they were going for it. And I know some people were thinking that maybe Denver would make the big move for a major wide receiver to help out the offense. But let's be honest, Denver has the wide receivers. They have the wideouts. Sure, Peyton Manning is not the same guy. But he still has the ability to make big throws downfield. At least I've seen him do it. He doesn't have the touchdown numbers that he usually does, but he has still made some big passes when the Broncos need to move the chains. And just because he didn't have any touchdown passes Sunday night in a win against Green Bay doesn't mean that he didn't have a good game. I mean, I he threw for over 300 yards, right? He made some big passes down the field that I saw on the money to guys like Emmanuel Sanders. They added Vernon Davis. Two days ago, that's not the same Vernon Davis that we had seen, uh, you know, a while back with San Francisco, but it is a veteran receiver. You add that to the mix, but I think here's what Denver said. They said, really, the best way we can improve as an offense is to give Peyton Manning more time in the pocket. That's it. To give him more protection up front. So what we're going to do is we're going to do everything that we can to try to get Joe Thomas, a Pro Bowl offensive lineman, left tackle, to watch Peyton Manning's backside as we move forward here and as teams will look at the Broncos and say, here's how we beat him. we got to get to Peyton Manning. I mean, that's no, that's no mystery. I think if you've watched Peyton Manning and his career, the one thing that you know, he struggles and he makes bad throws and terrible decisions when he's got the happy feet going, when there is pressure on him, when he's seeing ghosts. So if you could put pressure on Peyton Manning, you have a very good chance to beat the Denver Broncos. Now, you got to figure out their defense. They are, if not the best defense in football, they're top two, top three. And it is very close with those top three defenses when the conversation and you ask the question, who's the best defense in football? The Broncos are right there. You saw it Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. You know, you got to point out, Packers, they are dealing with offensive injuries as well. And, uh... You know, I think Aaron Rodgers' favorite target, Jordy Nelson, he's not around for this. So the Packers, they have their offensive issues, but make no mistake about it, they're still a dangerous offense with Aaron Rodgers under center. But you saw what Denver's defense was able to do in that game on Sunday night. And Denver winning, Denver's still undefeated, Green Bay is not. So the Broncos, they tried to add Joe Thomas. They could not make it happen because the Browns, here's what they did. They saw exactly what I saw. They saw exactly what we all saw. When the Broncos are offering a first and a second round pick to get an offensive lineman, right, for this year, what they're saying is we're going for it right now. And if you're the Browns, you know that. So you all of a sudden feel the need to try to take advantage of that mindset that Denver has. You try, And it's, I think it's a smart business move right, by Cleveland. They try to get even more off the Broncos. And the Broncos wouldn't budge. Look. There's, and maybe there's Broncos fans that are upset that the Broncos still wouldn't pull the trigger. You know, if you're going to go for it, you're going to go for it. But I look at it and think there's going for it, right, by making a huge blockbuster deal, and then there's being stupid. There did come a point in which Cleveland, they're asking for way too many picks for an offensive lineman. And look, you're a team that's undefeated. Right? It's not like the Broncos are trying to just get into the playoffs and they think, well, if we get this piece and we get into the tournament, anything's possible, but we got to get a piece to help us just get into the tournament. 
it's not like that. They're getting in, and they might have a first-round buy. So <laughs> there's making a blockbuster trade, and there's going for it all right now, which I think that's what Denver's mindset was. But there's also then being stupid. And as the Browns continued to ask for more draft picks from Denver, Denver had to back off. And the Browns said, we're not going to back off. And all of a sudden, 4 o'clock deadline comes and goes. And there are no major moves in the National Football League. But, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like I expected there to be major moves. I didn't. I never do in the NFL. You know, I laughed at some of the names that people threw out there. But it has come, it has gone, and here we are now going into week number nine. And, uh, you know, every Wednesday, if you don't listen to this podcast all the time, and maybe you're just jumping on board now, what I do every Wednesday is I turn the page to the upcoming week in the National Football League because that's what the NFL teams do, though. The teams that play Thursday night, they obviously turn the page to the following week, to the upcoming week a little bit sooner, but for the most part, most of the league turns the page on Wednesday. They give you their press conferences. It's funny. You know, people still wait around and they want to hear Tom Brady and Bill Belichick on Wednesdays, right? Like they think that something big is going to be said. I didn't listen to Tom Brady today. I didn't listen to Bill Belichick today. I don't know what they said. To be honest, I don't care because I would put all my money in the world on the fact that they didn't give us much. They praised Deshaun Jackson probably because it looks like he's going to make his first appearance on the field for the Redskins since week one. They probably praised Kirk Cousins, right? They probably praised a Redskins team that is, I guess you could say, alive in a divisional race at three and four. That NFC East is bad. That NFC East, you could win it at eight and eight, right? That could be what's going to happen there in that division. So I guess you got to say the Redskins are alive in that. I'm sure the Patriots praised the hell out of the Redskins today. I'm sure they did. But this is a day that they talk about the next team. Uh, they move on from the previous week. So I am going to move on from the previous week as well. Week number nine in the NFL. 13 games. Two games right now as of Wednesday early afternoon, without a line, without a spread, uh, two games there, 13 games, which is one less than usual because we got two extra teams getting a bye. Six teams will get a bye this weekend. The Cardinals, the Ravens, the Lions, the Texans, the Chiefs, and the Seahawks. Six teams will have a bye. We're used to four. Now, there will be bye weeks this week, week nine, week 10, and week 11, and that's it. So once we get through week 11, no more buys. 13 games this week, beginning with Thursday night football, the Browns and the Bengals in Cincinnati. And week nine will end on Monday night football, the Bears against the Chargers in San Diego. And again, the six teams with buys, it leaves us with 13 games, one less than usual. But you look at this week, starting on Thursday night football, Cleveland in Cincinnati as the Bengals, one of only four undefeated teams left. I mean, I say only. I am i don't think we're used to having this many undefeated teams in the season this late in the season, right? Are we? What's, what is Mercury Morris thinking right now, right? What's he do? He just get Nancy's. He got the champagne out. I got news from Mercury Morris. He can keep the champagne on ice or wherever the fuck he keeps it because... There are still going to be undefeated teams 
after this week. And I think Cincinnati is still going to be undefeated. They're 7-0. They have the short week. They host Cleveland on Thursday night football. Look, this is one of those AFC North dogfights. I feel like any time these teams in this division play each other, these games are close. It's a short week. The Browns are going with Johnny Manziel in this one. They're going with Johnny Manziel. And the Bengals are 11-point favorites. 11-point favorites are the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they win. 11 points is high, though. Because, again, these AFC North games, I just feel like they're always a dogfight. I know how good Cincinnati is. Am I buying into Cincy? I guess in a way. I mean, look, they've won some pretty big games. They've had a couple tough tests. You have to. I mean, you're still, you're still undefeated. So, Cincinnati, they're coming off a win against the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers, they had Ben Roethlisberger return. Pittsburgh had Le'Veon Bell go down early in that game. So, that I think that affected that one. That affected what Pittsburgh was doing offensively because Le'Veon Bell is a game changer. The game was in Pittsburgh. But Cincinnati still, they are able to pull it out. They're 7-0. They should be able to beat the Browns. But that 11 points, it seems high right now. Uh, I won't officially take the spread. I do that on Friday. Every Friday, I give you picks, picks, five games with the spread. So I'll do that Friday. But I'm just pointing out, it's an 11-point spread on Thursday night. The Bengals are at home against Cleveland, a Cleveland team that is down and out of it. And oh, by the way, once I, when I give you every game here, when I'm done, what I'm going to do is, and I took a look at this this morning, If the I, I always do this sort of midway through the season. And we're not officially midway through. We'll be midway through after week nine. But midway through the season, at the midway point, around this time, I always take a look at the NFL playoff picture, and I, I give you the whole, if the playoffs began today, I'm going to do that today for you. If the playoffs began today, I have the playoff picture in front of me. It's very interesting, but I'm going to go over some of these games first, and week nine begins on Thursday night, Cincinnati host, hosting Cleveland, Cincinnati should win this game, but Cleveland, you get Johnny Manziel because McCown's hurt. Who knows how he's going to play? Uh, it's a big spot for him. It's national TV. I just still feel like they're not going to put Manziel in position where I wouldn't think they put him in position where he has to do too much crazy stuff. I just think this is still a close game, but Cincinnati should win. Then you get Sunday, 1 o'clock. There's no 9.30 a.m. games, right? No? All right, good. Sunday at 1. Oakland-Pittsburgh. Huge game. Huge game. Playoff implications Week 9, for the wild card, Pittsburgh's not going to win their division since he is. Oakland's not going to win their division. Denver is. But both of these teams right now, Pittsburgh at 4-4, four and four, Oakland at 4-3, and three, this is a playoff game. And you look at both of their schedules, they don't have easy schedules. This the, One of the final wild card spots in the AFC could come down to maybe what happens Sunday at 1 o'clock between these two teams in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are four and a half point favorites. We'll get a, a long look at D'Angelo Williams as the top running back for Pittsburgh with Le'Veon Bell out. Uh, Oakland, they are coming off a big win against the Jets team that lost their quarterback in Fitzpatrick early in that game. But still, you look, the quarterback for the Jets doesn't play defense. And we've been praising the Jets defense nonstop. They are one of the top defenses in football. They've proven that. And look at what Derek Carr did to them. So you got to give Oakland some credit against that Jets team. Even though the Jets quarterback went down, you got to give Oakland's offense credit for what they did against the Jets' defense. 
And they have a shot to win this game in Pittsburgh. I believe that. Especially with Le'Veon Bell out. You know, with Le'Veon Bell out, this is... I'm I'm interested to see with Ben Roethlisberger right now being somebody that is... I don't I don't know how healthy he is. He, I know he's come back from this injury, but he came back sooner than we expected him to come back, right? Sooner than I expected him to come back. So I feel like I need to see more from him, but it is in Pittsburgh. It's, it's just, without Le'Veon Bell, I have a tough time continuing to tell you that this is such a dangerous Steelers team. They got Antonio Brown. They got Bryant. I mean, they got the receiving weapons. It's just when you lose a running back like that and that type of a game changer... And not knowing how healthy Roethlisberger is, there's still many questions there. But this is a huge game. I know that I have knocked the NFL this season for having a lot of just bad teams and a lot of bad games being played. But this is a big week. There are some huge games with major playoff implications in Week 9. This is a rare, very good week. That's rare to say that in this season in the NFL. But we got a very good week with some big games. And it's not just Oakland at Pittsburgh. A, playoff, a game with playoff implications in Week 9. It's also another Sunday 1 o'clock game, St. Louis in Minnesota. Right? St. Louis in Minnesota. I mean, these two teams, St. Louis at 4-3, and three, Minnesota at 5-2, and two, is it a, it's a bigger game uh, for St. Louis, I think, because if they lose this one, they get to 4-4, four and four, and they're in a mix with a couple other 4-4 four and four teams like Seattle and New Orleans, and who knows? New Orleans, you look at some of the games this week, New Orleans is hosting the Tennessee Titans. So they, the Saints should be able to win that game. And, uh, you know, they could very well win their fifth. They should at least. So, I mean, if you're going to look at the playoff picture right now, this is a huge game for St. Louis. But it's still a big game for Minnesota because they'd like to get that sixth win and stay a game ahead of teams like New Orleans, right? Uh, and, and you don't want, if you lose to St. Louis, I mean, that's St. Louis's fifth win. And all of a sudden, you get the same amount of wins as St. Louis. So this is another huge game with playoff implications here in Week 9 as the Minnesota Vikings host the St. Louis Rams, a St. Louis Rams team that is just, they have, do they have the most exciting player in football in Todd Gurley? Maybe. They might. He might be the most dangerous and exciting player in the National Football League. And even Foles, I look at Foles, I think he's a good quarterback. I still think that if I'm an Eagles fan, I would rather have Foles as my quarterback than Sam Bradford. Um, But Gurley really is the biggest difference maker. It's going to be a battle between Gurley and Adrian Peterson. You know, this is going to be an absolute battle. It's another Sunday at 1 o'clock game. So those two games right there, playoff implications. One in the AFC for the wild card, Oakland-Pittsburgh. Another in the NFC, St. Louis-Minnesota. I don't think St. Louis is going to win their division. I think Arizona wins that division. And if you're the Vikings... Yes, you're only one game behind Green Bay, but Green Bay is still going to win the NFC North. So those two teams looking for a wild card spot. Right now, this is a huge game for one of those two wild card spots. And uh, believe me, I'll be paying attention to that. But then you get, you know, then you get Miami at Buffalo. I, I I look at that game. How much time do you want to spend on that? I mean, the Dolphins. You know how I feel about them. They come in and get whooped by the Patriots on Thursday night. I, I think that they're going to find out the harsh reality what's going on in Miami is you beat Tennessee and you beat Houston and you were feeling way too good about yourselves as a football team after those two wins where you're saying, well, practice is so hard that it makes games easy. 
I just think that the practices are hard and the games were easy because they were against teams that you should be beating, like Tennessee and Houston. Those are easy games. That's it. So when you get tough games, I don't think you want to keep practicing that, that hard, right? Because if the games aren't easy after you're practicing that hard, at some point, they're going to be upset with their coach more than they love playing for him in Dan Campbell, this big tough guy uh, who loves to bring the energy in the Oklahoma drills <laughs> to practice. So Miami, Buffalo, I could care less. Neither of those teams are winning the AFC East, and I don't think either of those teams are going to the playoffs. So the Bills three-point favorites in that one, I think that could even be just a home field advantage game. AFC East home field advantage game. Speaking of the AFC East, the Patriots lead the AFC East and are another one of those undefeated teams at 7-0. and They have 14-point favorites over the Washington Redskins at Gillette on Sunday. Again, I don't care that Deshaun Jackson is going to play in his first game of the season. Had that hamstring injury in week one, has not played since. Uh, Deshaun Jackson doesn't matter to me. I mean, do we? Re- do you really think that the Redskins, you really think the Redskins are going to go into Gillette and beat the Patriots? Come on. The money line is, is wild. It's minus 1,400, which means if you bet $1,400 on the Patriots to win straight up, You'd only win a hundred. I mean, I keep telling, and, and you could talk, say it's a bad bet all you want, putting a lot of money on a team that, you know, you only win a hundred dollars if you bet fourteen hundred. Anything could happen in the NFL. I tell you what's not going to happen on Sunday at Gillette Stadium. I'll tell you what's not going to happen. The Patriots are not going to lose to the Washington Redskins. That is not going to happen. I'd stay away from the fourteen points. Only because I just think 14 points is high in the NFL anyways. And I I would stay away from 14 in the NFL anyways. But, you know, in college, no. But in the NFL, yeah. Stay away from the 14. But money line, I know it's high. And I know you're going to have to put up a lot just to win a little. But put up a lot. Do you think the Redskins are going to win? There's no way. There is no way the Redskins are coming into Gillette and beating the Patriots. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. So Patriots will win that, and they will be 8-0. and And then another huge game at 1 o'clock. The Green Bay Packers go to Carolina to take on the undefeated Panthers. The Packers are previously undefeated until they lost to Denver in Denver on Sunday Night Football. The Panthers beat the Indianapolis Colts on Monday Night Football, so they remain undefeated. And in first place in their division, the Panthers are 7-0. and I told you I believe that Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, especially with that defense, uh, they are they're for real. They've won big games. They've passed all the tests that they've had. The Panthers are for real. Green Bay is coming to Carolina. And make the argument it's the biggest test for the Panthers this season. They still. I know Seattle is only playing 500 ball right now, four and four. But going into Seattle and winning a game in Seattle is still, I think, one of the toughest things to do in the league, and one of the bigger accomplishments that you could have during the regular season. So, that said, is this the toughest game for Carolina? If it was in Green Bay, I would say that. But since it's in Carolina, I won't call this the toughest test. It is one of them. It is up there. But I still think, look, Carolina's an underdog. Undefeated. We Think about this. Week 9, a Week 9 undefeated team that went into Seattle and won. That have an- They've answered every test that they've had so far. I guess one test maybe you could say they didn't answer. 
When Carolina played New Orleans earlier in the season, Drew Brees did not play in that game. It was the game he missed with the rotator cuff injury. So maybe maybe they didn't really have the test they could have early on. But from everything else I've seen from the Panthers, they've been great. Defensively, they've been great with their quarterback, making big plays in big moments, and just basically helping them win ball games. And that's all this thing comes down to. This isn't about fantasy football stats on Sunday at 1 in Carolina. This is going to be about who is going to lead their team to victory. And while I sit here and believe in Aaron Rodgers, I I kind of feel like this game's going to be a little bit different because it's in Carolina. Carolina, you want bulletin board material? How about being one of four undefeated teams left week 9 and you're an underdog in your own building? That is a sign of disrespect in Vegas. And the Carolina Panthers... Believe me, they will know that they are underdogs going into this game. I don't know that I look at Green Bay's defense and feel awfully scared about their defense. If it was in Green Bay, I'd probably be feeling a little bit different. But right now, I'm leaning towards Carolina taking this one and remaining undefeated, which would be, it would be huge, even for a team like Minnesota, if they'd be able to beat St. Louis, right? So, the bottom line is this. I'm not telling you to pick Carolina. I'm not saying that they'll win. I'm All I'm saying is... If the Panthers beat the Packers, I will be someone that that will not be surprised by that. I will. I won't. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if Green Bay won because you know how good Green Bay is still. Just because they lost to Denver, they're still one of the league's top teams, and they could. I still believe that Green Bay could be the last team standing in the NFC. But I'm just trying to give Carolina the credit that they deserve that they're probably not getting by being three point dogs in. This one, but another huge game. So I just named you Green Bay at Carolina, St. Louis at Minnesota, Oakland at Pittsburgh. Playoff implications all at stake. Carolina battling to win their division with Atlanta right up their ass. And you look at the Falcons, they're in San Francisco, so the Falcons should win that game. But also Green Bay, you know, if they lose and Minnesota wins, all of a sudden you're looking at a tie for first place in that division. So playoff implications all over the place. I mentioned Atlanta in San Fran. That's a 4.05 start. The 49ers are seven-point dogs. The 49ers are not going with Colin Kaepernick. They're going with Blaine Gabbett. Okay? And I look at Atlanta, and I think they should win this game. I've said that a couple times this season. And a couple of them, they've won, but they've been nail-biters. Games that are close that probably shouldn't be, given all the weapons that Atlanta has. Atlanta's on the road, but they still should win this game. If they don't, then, I mean, they then they shouldn't even get to the playoffs, right? If they don't, they shouldn't even get to the playoffs. But this is a Falcons team right now that is and 6-2. They should be 7-2 and two when this one is all said and done because the 49ers are no good, and you cannot let their backup quarterback beat you. I don't care where this game's played. It's going to be played in San Fran, but the Falcons still should be able to win. Then another 405 game, the New York Giants, they play in Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers. Uh, the Giants defense with a terrible performance against New Orleans. Drew Brees last week threw seven touchdown passes. Eli Manning played a whole lot better than, than he had played in previous weeks. And still, he threw six touchdowns and he couldn't get the win. Couldn't get the win. So that's. That that's tough. When you could th- when you throw six touchdown passes and you still don't win, man, that's pretty that's pretty depressing. 
but the Giants are in Tampa Bay, and I know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at times this season have given you some signs of life like they did last week by beating Atlanta 23-20 in overtime. I still look at the Buccaneers, though, and I think to myself, eh, I, I, I wouldn't be able to bet them in this one. And the Giants, if they can get anything clicking offensively, Reports are JPP on their defense could be returning. He could be ready to play against Tampa Bay on Sunday. Practicing this week, they say he is in outstanding shape. That could help the Giants' defense, and maybe you get JPP in Jameis Winston's face a couple extra times, force a couple turnovers. Maybe that's the difference in the game. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens and JPP plays. That could very well be. The Giants, here's one thing I know. They've been able to win games this season by not getting the best performance out of Eli Manning. And let's face it, it can't get any worse than it did for the Giants' defense last week. It can only get better, especially if JPP returns. So uh, I, just because this game is in Tampa Bay and the Giants are only a 500 team, hey, the Giants are still in first place. they got to win this one. Uh, you know, I think I, I really think that I'd be leaning towards the G-men uh, returning from a tough loss, an awful loss to New Orleans, in which they allowed Drew Brees to throw seven touchdown passes, I think the Giants could go to Tampa Bay and win that game Sunday at 4:05, and then 4:25 we got Denver in Indianapolis. This is a big game based on the fact that you know Denver's trying to remain undefeated. It's in Indy. The Colts just fired their offensive coordinator. You know what I hate? When people try to say, oh, the Colts' offensive coordinator, they shouldn't have fired him. He's, he's the fall guy. He's taking the fall. You know, they should be getting rid of this guy. They should be getting rid of that guy. Well, this is, that's just sports. That's just life in sports. What's the easiest move to make? A coordinator. What's the easiest move to make? A coach. You know, Pagano's probably the next to go. But maybe you try to do something and remove a replaceable position which it is, offensive coordinator for a team that is not doing all the right offensive things this season with a quarterback that, sure, he's banged up, and Andrew Luck has made some bad decisions. But, um, you know, I, I think that you can replace what's going on with the offensive play calling in Indy. It can happen. So you make that move, and essentially it's a minor move, and if that doesn't work, then maybe Pagano's the next guy to go, right? Or, or maybe you fire another coordinator before Pagano. And you try to give this team a kick in the behind because, look, the Colts are going to win the division. They're going to win the division. They're 3-5. and five. They're tied with Houston. Jacksonville's 2-5. and five. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, they go to the Jets. It's a 1 o'clock game. I sort of skipped over that one. It, there's no line on that. That's why. The two games there's no line on. Tennessee in New Orleans and Jacksonville in New York. I assume that's because the Jets don't know who their quarterback's going to be, and maybe Tennessee doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be. I don't care who Tennessee's quarterback is. New Orleans is still going to beat Tennessee in New Orleans. Uh, But the Jets, it's in New York. It's against Jacksonville. They're saying right now, rookie Bryce Petty, fourth-round pick out of Baylor, could be the guy to get the start on the center for the Jets. If Geno Smith can't go with his injury, if... Fitzpatrick can't go with his injury. Could be Bryce Petty getting the start. Rookie Bryce Petty for the Jets. They could bring back Matt Flynn, they're saying, in New York. Maybe to be the backup. So maybe that's why there's no line. That, that's going to be interesting for the Jets, though. It still should be a game. Their defense should bounce back. 
and win at home against the Jaguars. Could be close because they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. And if it's Petty or if it's Matt Flynn, uh, but probably Petty, they might not be a great offensive day for the Jets. But defensively, I think they should be able to bounce back and still win a defensive battle at home against Jacksonville. But, um, you know, look, Jacksonville, let's say they're able to win that game. All of a sudden, you're looking at them having three wins. So this is a big game for Indy. Huge game for Indy. Can they beat Denver? I don't think so. It's in Indy, so they'll get the advantage of the home cooking. But Peyton Manning in his old building, the first loss that the Broncos have is not going to be against Peyton Manning's old team, especially with Peyton Manning's old team being all over the place, firing their offensive coordinator, having their quarterback and Andrew Luck banged up right now. Um, you know, the, the, right now the Colts are in a bad place. I don't expect that to get better against the Denver Broncos. So the Colts, I think, are still going to lose. But it, it means this game is huge for Indy. No question about it. So you got to look at it and think it is a big game. It's going to be a 425 kickoff, 425 start in Indy. And then the Sunday night game, Philadelphia Eagles go to Dallas an NFC East showdown. Uh, the Eagles are three-point favorites in Dallas. That's about right. Uh, right now, the NFC East, as I mentioned, Giants in the lead at 4-4. Four and four. They're in first place. The Redskins in second place at 3-4. and four. Redskins are going to lose to the Patriots. They'll be 3-5. and five. So the, the Cowboys, they'd like to get their third win. They, get, they have Des Bryant back after last week, but they don't have Tony Romo back. Until they get Romo back, you know, they're starting. They're sticking with Matt Castle, I think. I just don't see it with him. And the Eagles, I don't I don't love them. You know that if you listen to me, but the Eagles should be able the Eagles should be able to go into Dallas and win this game. They should. They should. Uh so that is the way week number 9 looks and again wrapping it up with Chicago in San Diego. It's just this is a game Chicago's 2 and 5. San Diego is 2-6. and six. I mean, neither of these teams are going to the playoffs, so how much do you care actually about the Monday night game? That one that one could be another snooze fest. Though San Diego is always due to give you some offensive excitement, but they're dealing with injuries. Keenan Allen out, right? Um, you got the whole running back situation. They don't know what's going on with that. Antonio Gates is still banged up. So uh, there, there's just a bad Bears football team against the Chargers team a Chargers team whose record is probably, it probably doesn't tell the story as to how talented they are, but still, San Diego, they're going to be trying to figure out who the number one wide receiver and number one receiving target is uh, on Monday night, and I it could make for a sloppy game, but one that I really won't care too much about because, like I said, neither of those two teams are going to the playoffs. They're not. And that is how week number nine will end up. And I told you that I was going to give you the playoff picture. You know, if the playoffs began today, as we sit here going into week nine, if the NFL playoffs began today, who's in, who's out? Well, let's start with the AFC. If the playoffs began today, the Patriots have the one seed at 7-0, and and the Broncos have the two seed at 7-0. They get the first round buys. Patriots the one seed. Broncos the two seed. The wild card round would look like this. Cincinnati Bengals would be the three seed at 7-0. and 
and they would host the New York Jets. The Jets right now at 4-3, and three, as I mentioned, the Jets, uh, they host the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Jets would be the sixth seed going to Cincinnati. New York in Cincy, Jets against the Bengals. That would be one of the wild card games. The other wild card game in the AFC would be the four seed Colts because they'd win their division, right? They'd win their terrible division. They would host, they'd get a home game against the Oakland Raiders. So if the playoffs begin today, these would be the wild card teams. The Raiders would be the five seed, and the Jets would be the six seed. Jets would go to Cincy. Raiders would go to Indianapolis. And if I had to pick those games right now, man, I would pick Oakland going into Indy and winning. And I would take the Bengals over the Jets, which would set you up for the Patriots versus the Raiders. Patriots, Raiders in the divisional round. The Raiders coming to Gillette to take on the Patriots and the Bengals going to Denver to take on the Broncos. And look, this, so this is how big the rest of the regular season is. This is how big that Week 12 game is going to be for the Patriots and the Broncos, where the winner of that game is going to get that one seed. So the winner of that game in Week 12 in Denver between the Patriots-Broncos, the winner of that game is not going to have to play the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round. And that makes for an awfully tough road to the Super Bowl, I think, if you've got to play the Bengals in your first playoff game after getting the first round by. I think it makes for a tough road. So I'd rather play a team like an Oakland or even a Jets or a Colts more than the Bengals. But that's how the AFC looks. If the playoffs began today, Patriots one seed, Broncos two seed. The wild cards are Oakland with the five seed, the Jets with the six seed, the Bengals with the three seed, the Colts with the four seed. So you'd have the Bengals hosting the Jets in the wild card round and the Colts hosting the Raiders in their wild card game. And when you look at the teams that are still alive that are on the outside looking in, I mean, there's no guarantee that Oakland and New York get in. I'm saying if the playoffs begin today, that's how it would look. Do I think it's going to look like that when it's all said and done? Eh, I'll tell you right now, the Jets have a pretty easy schedule. Out of all the teams in the AFC and NFC that are sort of battling for a playoff spot that won't be winning a division, like a team that's still live or a team going for a wild card spot in either AFC or NFC, the Jets probably have the easiest schedule when I look at them all. I've looked at all the schedules. The Jets, because you look at their schedule, right, moving on, moving forward, the Jets at home against the Jaguars, at home against the Bills, in Houston against the Texans, at home against the Dolphins, in New York against the Giants. So essentially, I mean, yes, it's a Giants home game, but you're still in your own building. At home against the Titans, at Dallas against the Cowboys, that should be a tougher game than it is now because Romo should probably be back by then. Against the Patriots, and then at the Bills in Buffalo, Uh, Jets probably have the easiest schedule out of all the teams that are sort of battling for a wild card spot in both the AFC and NFC. So I think the Jets are going to get in. Oakland, while they're a very good team, they're going to be battling with Pittsburgh, which again is why this is such a big game on Sunday as Oakland goes to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. This is essentially a playoff game because if you're Oakland or you're Pittsburgh and you can win this one, 
then you have the upper hand in that wild card battle, in that race for a wild card, because either Oakland or Pittsburgh are one in their division. And after that, between those three teams for the wild card, Oakland, the Jets, and the Steelers, you got Buffalo at three and four, Miami at three and four, Kansas City at three and five, Houston at three and five, and I'm sorry, I'm not taking any of those teams seriously. San Diego is so far down now at two and six. It's just this is going to be a battle between Oakland, the Jets, and the Steelers. I think the Jets are going to get in because they have the easiest schedule out of all the wild card potential teams in the NFL. But the Pittsburgh Oakland game Sunday is huge. It's a playoff game for them, and it's in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. So that's the way the AFC picture looks, playoff picture looks like right now. The NFC playoff picture, if the playoffs began today in the NFC, the Carolina Panthers would be the one seed at 7-0. and The Green Bay Packers would be the two seed. So the Packers and the Panthers would get the first round by with the Panthers being the number one seed. Panthers, Packers, first round by. The wild card round. The three seed Arizona Cardinals would host the six-seed Minnesota Vikings if the playoffs began today. And the four-seed New York Giants would host the five-seed Atlanta Falcons in their wild-card game. And if I had to pick those games right now, man, that Minnesota-Arizona game would be one heck of a game in Arizona. I'd have to lean towards the home field advantage. I would. And I'd have to take Arizona in that one. And if that's the case... Uh, Giants, Falcons, I don't know, Giants get JPP back in the mix here? And uh, what's the deal with Victor Cruz? I mean, how long is this guy going to be out for? Does anybody really know? Does anybody really know with him? Is it season? Is it week to week? I I don't know. If, I mean, if they could get him back, that would be huge for them too. But the Giants and the Falcons, I could just never put my money on Matt Ryan winning in a big spot. I can't do it. So I'd probably have to take the Giants. And uh, that would set up, if the Cardinals beat the Vikings, that means that the Cardinals would play the Green Bay Packers. And the Panthers in the divisional round would play the winner of Atlanta or New York in Carolina. But Packers-Cardinals, second round, that is not... You get a first round bye, you do not want to have to play the Cardinals in the first round. So again, as we look, another huge game... Carolina, Green Bay, this weekend at 1 o'clock in Carolina. The winner of that game, it could be the difference between playing the Arizona Cardinals in the divisional round or the teams like the Giants and the Falcons. Similar to the AFC, the the Broncos-Patriots game in Week 12 is much like the Packers-Carolina game this Sunday. Playoff games. Absolutely playoff games. You know, I can understand the difference would be that Green Bay's not undefeated anymore. So you could say, well, just because if Green Bay can beat Carolina, then it doesn't automatically mean that Green Bay is going to be the one seed and Carolina won't because Green Bay's schedule is more difficult than Carolina's the rest of the way. I, I agree with that. Green Bay's schedule is much more difficult than Carolina's moving forward. But, I mean, Green Bay, if they want a shot at the one seed... They need to win this game in Carolina Sunday at 1. They need to. So if Green Bay doesn't want to play Arizona in the divisional round in their first playoff game after getting a bye, if they would rather face a team like Atlanta or the Giants 
or even a Minnesota or a St. Louis or a New Orleans. I mean, that, those are difficult matchups too, but still, you don't want, to me, you don't want to play Arizona in your first game. You don't want that, you don't want that team in your building. You don't. So if you're Green Bay, it, having the one loss and having Carolina undefeated, it makes this game Sunday at 1 in Carolina that much more important when you talk about potential first round, or at least I should say divisional round matchups for a team that has the bye. But huge implications uh, this weekend. So as we take a look at the NFC playoff picture, uh, we also, as I mentioned, look at the NFC wild card race and the Atlanta Falcons and the Vikings have those two spots with the Falcons having the five seed and the Vikings having the six seed. If the playoffs began today, there's a race there. And that race is the St. Louis Rams involved. That's why the the Vikings-Rams game is huge. There's the New Orleans Saints that are there at 4-4. Four and four, And, you know, they're going to get a win this weekend, right, as they host the Tennessee Titans. New Orleans is going to get five wins. Uh, and don't forget about the Seattle Seahawks at 4-4. Four and four. The Seahawks, but they, they have a difficult schedule, the Seahawks do. And uh, I'm not going to put Tampa Bay or Philadelphia, Dallas in the mix right now. I'm just not going to do that. It's really between Atlanta, Minnesota, St. Louis, New Orleans, and Washington. And when I look at the schedules, right, and I look at the New Orleans Saints schedule moving forward, I see Titans at Redskins, at Houston, a tough game against the Panthers, then at the Buccaneers, against the Lions, then the Jaguars, and the Falcons. I mean, much like I said, the Jets' schedule was easy moving forward in the AFC wildcard race. Just because the New Orleans Saints, as of right now, are not in the playoffs if the playoffs began today, they're 4-4. They have a very easy schedule. In fact, they probably have the easiest schedule out of all these teams that are still battling for a wild card or that will be battling for a wild card in the NFC moving forward. So if I had to make a guess, I would say right now Atlanta and Minnesota are in. New Orleans is getting in. I'm telling you right now, New Orleans is getting in. They are. I think Minnesota gets in, too. I think Atlanta's done. I don't think... Atlanta, the games, they've had chances to win. They haven't been able to win them. I think Atlanta's done. I really do. They're 6-2. and two. Um, They're going to play the 49ers. They should win that, get the 7-2. and two. Colts, I mean, who knows? Vikings, that's not, a, that's not a guaranteed win for Atlanta. At Tampa Bay, they just lost to Tampa Bay. At Carolina, I'll take Carolina. They should be Jacksonville. Then they play Carolina again. Atlanta plays Carolina twice. Then they play the Saints, which that game on January 3rd could essentially be a playoff game for a wild card spot. And I'd put my money on New Orleans if Drew Brees can stay healthy, if Drew Brees can stay on the field. I think New Orleans is getting in. I think the schedule's too easy to not get in. I, and I love Minnesota. They, Minnesota doesn't have an easy schedule, but I think that they have a they have a nice defense. They got a great running game, and if Teddy Bridgewater can just make the throws he needs to make and not be, you know, they're not asking him to go out and be Tom Brady. They're just asking him not to make mistakes in the big spots. If he can do that, Minnesota gets in. They're five and two right now. I think Atlanta might be on the outside looking in, but there's so much time to break it down. It's just. It's cool to take a look at it and get a vibe and sort of paint the playoff picture a little bit more to say, all right, what teams can we eliminate, even though mathematically everybody is still alive? But look, we can eliminate some teams. And in the AFC, 
you know, I gave you, you know, the division winners, Patriots, Broncos, Bengals, Colts, and the wild card teams, it's going to be between Oakland, the Jets, and the Steelers. And uh, I think the Jets have the easiest schedule there out of those three teams. And in the NFC, division winners, Carolina, Green Bay, Arizona. Right now, it's the Giants. I mean, who knows how the NFC East plays out? That could change. But the wild cards, Atlanta, Minnesota, St. Louis, New Orleans, Seattle, and maybe one of those NFC East teams. And out of all those teams, New Orleans has the easiest schedule. They're in, and I just I, I love Minnesota this year. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out moving forward, but I just wanted to paint the picture for you as to what the NFL playoff picture looks like here entering week number nine. So there you go. There's my week nine preview. Did I miss anything? Did I miss any any storylines? I don't think so. If four undefeateds, will any of them lose? Cincinnati won't lose to Cleveland. They'll stay undefeated. Patriots won't lose to the Redskins. They'll stay undefeated. And the Broncos, they won't lose to Indy. Broncos will stay undefeated. Carolina, that's the biggest question. But, man, because it's in Carolina, woo, I need a couple more days to think about this one. But I watched the Panthers. I love the Panthers this year. I was not high on them early on. I'm high on the Panthers right now. And, uh, you know, we talk about Denver's defense and what they did to Green Bay in Carolina. I could see that Carolina secondary coming up with a couple big plays and possibly, who knows, maybe Aaron Rodgers, you know, turns it over. But this this Carolina defense, I love it, and I love Cam Newton, especially in his own building. And it's a playoff game. It's really a must-win for Green Bay if they want to stay in the first-round bye discussion and also uh, forget about the first-round bye discussion if they also want to talk about not having to play the Arizona Cardinals in the divisional round right away. Like you get a first round by, you're rewarded. The first team you don't the first team you don't want to play in the NFC is Arizona, in my opinion. So huge game. And uh those are what the undefeateds will go up against this weekend. In week number nine in the NFL on Friday I'll give my picks five games with the spread. It's called Picks Picks. I need a bounce back week once again, it was looking good for a couple weeks, but uh, struggled again last week in week number eight. But uh, I'll do that on Friday. What else we got going on? Uh, yesterday, look, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm sad. I'm somewhat depressed that we don't have any postseason baseball anymore because the World Series is over. The Kansas City Royals, they were celebrating their championship yesterday uh, in Kansas City. But... Johnny Gomes got up on stage, and he was basically, I don't want to say the MC, but he was on the mic, and he was pumping up the crowd. He, he didn't even play in the postseason. Like, not one postseason at bat. Right? Just wasn't even on the team, basically. He was on the team, but he wasn't really on the team. He was the clubhouse guy. He was a, he was a glorified equipment manager, if you will. Right? And he's on the mic. I guess the players love him. I still think that there's got to be some players on that Royals team that are like, is this guy serious? He didn't even play. He didn't even factor in to this team. You could talk about the good clubhouse and the clubhouse chemistry all you want. But look, here's how I feel. If you got the pitching and you look at that Royals lineup, I mean, they already had clubhouse chemistry. The reason they didn't win the World Series last year 
is because Madison Bumgarner was better than them. Not that they had the not that the San Francisco Giants last year had a better clubhouse, a more fun clubhouse. That that's not what it was. They just had the most dominant pitcher on the planet. They had the best starting pitching. They had the best player. And uh you know they I Johnny Gomes was like, We didn't have the MVP. We didn't have this. We didn't have that. Well, your pitching staff was still pretty damn good there. Johnny Gomes, and your lineup, top to bottom, was pretty damn deep, right? So, you still were one of the best teams in the league. Don't give me that underdog thing. Like, I'm, I'm not buying into that with the Kansas City Royals. When they got into the playoffs, or they were going to win that division, we're saying they have a chance to win a championship, especially when you go back to the deadline, the trade deadline, and they added Johnny Cueto. I don't know if there was anybody out there that looked at them as these big old underdogs not having a shot. I don't think anyone did that. I mean, I picked the Mets to win, but I wasn't sitting there telling you they were going to blow the Royals out. In fact, the Royals celebrated yesterday. The Mets probably should have been playing a World Series game against the Royals last night with a chance to maybe win the World Series if you're New York. If you didn't blow Game 4 Saturday night with a Daniel Murphy era and if Lucas Duda could just make a play to the plate on Sunday night. Okay, but Johnny Gomes still up there talking and uh, leading the chance for the Kansas City Royals. I'm telling you right now, there's people in Kansas City that were like, who the fuck is this guy? Johnny who? Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me get my roster out. Uh, uh, No, keep your playoff roster away. He's not on that one. Get your your end of the regular season roster. You might be able to find him there. Uh, I'm telling you, there were people who were like, who is this guy? Who? Johnny who? <laughs> he had the most to say, though. Uh, congrats, but still, I'm not taking anything away from what the Royals did. Congratulations to the Kansas City Royals. And, uh, look, Johnny Gomes, obviously, special place in our hearts here in Boston. There is no better pinch hitter than Johnny Gomes, in my opinion. Like, there isn't. At least during his time here with the Red Sox, I can't think of one. He always was ready, and it's a, tough, it's a tough job. It's tough to ask somebody to be ready to go in that spot as ready as Johnny Gomes always was. And the best Johnny Gomes story I have that everybody talks about here in this town is when Jake Peavy was added to the Red Sox. They traded for him the year they won the championship. Jake Peavy didn't know Johnny Gomes very well. He walks into the Red Sox clubhouse, and... Again, they don't know each other, and Johnny Gomes is getting ready to go out in the field before the game. PV uh, walks into the clubhouse before the game and, you know, introduces himself and says, hey, what's up, Johnny? You know, how are we doing today? And Johnny Gomes' response was, good, man, one day closer to the parade. <laughs> one day closer to the parade. The championship parade. And you know what? He was right. They had it because the Red Sox won the World Series that year. And... They were one day closer to the parade. And uh, Johnny Gomes, he definitely played a role, and he had some big hits coming off the bench, coming off ice cold, pinch hit spots. It's tough to ask a guy to do that and be successful as much as Johnny Gomes was successful in that type of role. So I applaud him for that. Special place in our hearts because of that. But when I watch him up on stage being the guy that has most to say for this Royals team during their championship celebration, I I guess I kind of roll my eyes because he actually wasn't really part of the on-field product of that championship Royals team. So, uh, 
but congrats to the Kansas City Royals once again. And other, one other baseball note before I uh, give you a couple other notes and close out the show. Zach Greinke officially opts out, makes it official. You know, you have to wait until after the World Series to make this stuff official. We already had heard the reports that he was going to opt out. They just made it official now. Similar to how the Red Sox picked up Clay Buckholz's $13 million option yesterday. They made it official. We knew they were going to do it. It's a no-brainer. Uh, not because I'm sitting there and I say, I, you know, you'll love Clay Buckholz, but you're not just going to let him walk. And if you're going to move him, at least you have him on a contract. And maybe you hope that he can have a good start to the season like he had last year. And he's got trade value. He has actual trade value. And you trade him before he gets hurt again, right? Before he once again cannot finish a full season. So I think it's a no-brainer to pick up that option on Buckholz. I mean, these are things that we heard were going to happen. They just made it official. Granke makes it official. He's opting out. The one thing I want to make clear, that doesn't mean he's leaving L.A. Yes, you say testing free agency. He could be back in L.A. So... And in fact, you want my honest honest thoughts? I think he is back in L.A. Because I think they pay him. Because I think they see how good he is at Dodger Stadium. His numbers, Granky at Dodger Stadium, are amazing. As dominant as you could get in one single ballpark. It is. He's dominant. And uh, if for people here in Boston that say, go get Granky, well, let's see, 31, 32 years old. Um... I've mentioned this many times before. I see some people now tweeting about it, uh, right, and, and put on Facebook. I see people talk. I hear people talking about it now, but I've been mentioning it for. I was talking about this during the playoffs when people were looking at him and his impending, you know, free agency if he opted out. And they said, "Well, why can't you get a guy like that?" I said, "Well, first of all, you know, and I'm glad people are starting to, to point this out now because I pointed it out weeks ago. Is I even pointed it out months ago? Zach Greinke." There's a history there. He has some anxiety issues. And not to make fun or mock the situation that he has, it's, it, the anxiety issues forced him to walk away from the game at one point. He even had rejected trades to New York because he did not want to pitch in that environment. And as somebody who knows and understands or at least realizes the pressures here in this town of Boston and professional sports, I keep telling you this. There's the pressure of playing professional sports in Boston and New York, and there's everywhere else. It's completely different. Greinke understands that to the point where he's actually rejected a trade before to the Yankees. And to go along with the anxiety issues he's had in his personal life in the past, I just feel like it would not be a good place for him to play in Boston and New York. So I would stay away for the money that you'd have to give him. Um... And I, I, I would go after somebody else. But but all this stuff, him opting out, I still think that the Dodgers are going to be nuts. Like, if we had a guy who was dominant in the AL East, who uh, whose numbers at Fenway Park were as dominant as Grinky's numbers are at Dodger Stadium, I, I, I don't know how you couldn't bring him back. You know, test free agency all you want, but we're going to one-up whatever somebody else is going to offer you because we want to keep you here. And he might, deep down inside, he might love L.A., might love it, based on the factors that I just mentioned. And if he loves it, he's just trying to get more money out of them now. And I don't blame him for that. He just had a phenomenal season. One of the best pitchers on the planet. And he had a pretty damn good postseason, too. So I think it's a smart business decision. 
But it doesn't mean that he's leaving L.A. He's pointing that out to people. And uh, what else? Oh, before I just give you a quick couple thoughts on some NHL, NBA stuff. NCAA football, college football. The first college football playoff rankings were released last night. Here's how they look. Clemson at 8-0 is number one. LSU at 7-0 is number two. Ohio State at 8-0 is number three. And Alabama at 7-1 is number four. Uh, just Bailey in the outside looking in. Notre Dame at 7-1 at number five. Baylor number six at 7-0. Michigan State number seven at 8-0. TCU number eight at 8-0. So uh, some people saying, well... You got some undefeated teams here, like a Michigan State at seven, and you still got Alabama in that college football playoff. If it began today, Clemson would play Alabama, LSU would play Ohio State. That would be your semifinals. Uh, but you look at it, Alabama, their losses coming to Ole Miss early in the season in Alabama, and if you look at Ole Miss. And the college football playoff rankings that came out last night, Ole Miss is 18 in these rankings. They're ranked number 18 with a 7-2 and record. And Ole Miss's loss are coming to Florida and Memphis, in Florida and at Memphis. And if you look at Florida and Memphis right now, Memphis is number 13 at 8-0. Florida is now number 10 at 7-1. and So I guess... By putting Alabama four with their seven and one record, saying their one loss is coming against Ole Miss, who lost to two tough teams themselves, you're telling me that you think Alabama maybe had the toughest schedule here out of maybe some of the other teams that are undefeated that are not in the top four. Uh, but I, there's still some time to let this play out, so I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get too worked up about these standings because some things could change. And look, huge game. Here because Alabama, they are hosting LSU on Saturday night at 8 o'clock on CBS. Alabama, LSU. LSU, the two seed here. Alabama, the four seed. They are ho- Alabama's hosting LSU Saturday night. So if LSU beats Alabama and you look at it and say, well, Notre Dame, a Michigan State, or a Baylor, or a TCU, maybe one of those teams bumps up, gets bumped up. If Alabama loses to LSU, if Alabama beat, see those teams will be rooting for Alabama. They'll be rooting for Alabama to lose to LSU. Those teams are all rooting for LSU to win. The teams that are on the outside looking in, because if Alabama beats LSU, it, is that enough to knock LSU out of the top four? If you're going to give me your reasoning as to why Alabama is in the top four with a loss, you cannot knock LSU out of the top four if they lose to one of the top fours, right? I wouldn't think so. I would think that maybe you get Ohio State bumped up to two if they win. Uh, Alabama maybe bumps up to three, and LSU bumps down to four. Maybe it, So everybody else on the outside looking in, Notre Dame, Baylor, Michigan State, TCU, they're, they're going to be cheering for LSU on Saturday night in Alabama. That is for sure. That's all I know to be for sure out of these first college football playoff rankings that came out last night. So we'll keep an eye on that over the weekend. And uh, a couple NHL, NBA thoughts before I wrap up this podcast. 
Tyler Sagan last night with the Dallas Stars comes to the TD Garden to face the Bruins. Stars beat the Bruins. Not a good night for the Bees, but a very good night for Tyler Sagan, a former Bruin. He gets a hat trick in this one. Some more bad news for the Bees. Chris Kelly, injured, terrible knee injury, having surgery today. He is out six to eight months. They have called up Max Talbot. Don't overreact to this one loss last night. The Dallas Stars are a very exciting offensive team. People who keep going back to the Sagan trade, I'm over it. I'm done with it. It's not something that I'm looking at and I'm saying, oh, the Bruins should have done this, they should have done that. Look, here's what I'm looking at. One of the kids that they got in that trade, Joe Morrow, I'm at, we're asking him to be a pretty good defensive piece, not just this, not this year, but the next handful of years and beyond. And so we're looking at his progression. And he's somebody that I need to stay in the Bruins lineup. And when Seidenberg gets back later this month, I think Kevin Miller is going to be the odd man out. Some bad defensive play from Kevin Miller once again last night. He just does not have the awareness on the ice defensively that's good enough for me to keep him in. There's going to be growing pains with Colin Miller. There's going to be growing pains with Joe Morrow. But i got to keep them in the lineup. You committed to the kids defensively. you got to keep playing them. And Kevin Miller to me... Well, I feel like there's more upside long-term with Morrow and Colin Miller than there is Kevin Miller. So you got to keep Morrow and Colin Miller in and take Kevin Miller out. That's how I'd handle the Bruins' defense when Seidenberg gets back. But the Bruins lose last night. They had one four straight going into that game last night. Don't overreact to it. And please, I just, I'm done with the Sagan stuff. He's been gone now for a couple years. Uh, they Obviously, when you don't get a first-round pick in return, you can look at it and say, yeah, We've been saying that since day. How much more do you want to talk about this, though? Like, nothing is going to change. The only thing that could change is if we take the trade, accept that it happened, figure out that, hey, you know what? Louis Erickson scored two goals last night. But let's look at a kid like Joe Morrow that you got in that trade as well. And what can he be? All eyes on him. But you better keep him in the lineup, even when things might go bad. There's got to be growing pains there. you got to accept that because that is the transition that you've accepted to make as a Bruins organization. You're going with the kids on the blue line. And uh, finally, locally, the Celtics tonight in Indiana. The Pacers got their first win of the season last night against the Pistons. And uh, the Celtics have one win. They're one and two. They're looking for their second win. They're looking to snap a two-game losing skid. Celtics are two-point favorites in this one tonight. Pacers played last night. Celtics didn't. With the Celtics' depth, I think the fresh legs should be the difference maker in this one. Celtics should win. They should beat the Pacers. At least, if they want to be the team that I think they can be this season with 46 to 48 wins, getting a four or a five seed in the Eastern Conference, winning a first-round playoff series, Celtics got to win this one tonight in Indiana against the Pacers team that battled last night to pick up their first win. Celtics is a two-point favorite. I think they got it. I would take the C's tonight, minus two. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can subscribe to the Danny Picard Show on iTunes. Anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, I have a couple exciting shows here coming up with some special guests. I'll keep you updated uh, with that on my Twitter account. Again, follow me at Danny Picard. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. Uh, so I'll let you know what's going on there. And again, Friday, Picks Picks for week number nine. But uh, until then, I'll be back tomorrow. I'm out. See ya.